0: Welcome back to Geeks and Grounds, a monthly game club where we play games and brew good conversation together. I'm your host, Jenny Windham.
1: And I'm Joel Thomas.
0: And we are finishing a game today. This is our final podcast for the month of February (laughs) that details Mm -hmm. Thirsty Suitors. So today's discussion is going to be all about those final chapters of Thirsty Suitors. But of course, we've got some stuff on the way beforehand. But how are you doing today, Joel?
1: Well, you know, I got to say, I haven't finished any books on my bedside table yet this year. But because of Geeks and Grounds, I'm up to my second game (gasps) of the the year. So since we're counting... Geeks and Grounds is like a video game book club. I'm gonna just add it to my reading I list was gonna and be say, like, I've read two books.
0: <laughs> you finished three games because we've got the two because you finished oh, Baldur's yes. Gate too, right? So it's like I
1: did finish Baldur's Gate. That's true. So that's good. true. Three games. Wow, that's just as valuable and enriching as a book. Good job, Joel. Pat on the back.
0: It really. How are you is. doing, Jenny? Um, you know, I've been good. I had a Fun day of painting for folks who can see on the screen. I've got some green paint on my hands that are, is not really coming off um, despite a couple of washes. <laughs> so I decided to just save my hands uh, from being scrubbed too raw. But it's been a good day. Got some painting done, did a little bit of reading. I started a new book I haven't finished my other books, but I started a new book um, (laughs) and started a show today, which is great. I'm on vacation right now after the launch of Pacific Drive and Ultros, so feeling good.
1: A well-earned vacation, (laughs) those of us in the community would say.
0: I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. I'm excited. Still, we'll be working on stuff in the background, but um, yeah, taking a break from the day job, which is always nice. Nice for a little respite. Respite. Absolutely. respite it's one of those words that i feel like it's a it's respite but i always say it respite in my head when i read it
1: we should say respite like yeah uh, because reboot comes up so much in this show. yes that's respite
0: true. respite <laughs> All right. So, for those of you who are joining for the first time, if you want to get in on the newsletter because we do send out a weekly newsletter, visit geeksandgrounds.com. That is where you can find out about what this is. If if you just stumbled into this podcast and you're listening, and you have no idea what Geeks and Grounds is. That's where you can head off to read more details. Um, it's also where you can get links to the Discord. We have a wonderful community of folks uh, who. Every week we discuss the game together, and every month we hang out and really deep dive as a group. And I don't know, just hang out and chat as well to discuss the game. So it's, it's a good time. So be sure to visit that.
1: We had a great hang this we last week. We did. Month too. It was so, so fun. If you're interested in like chatting with people in real time or just like listening to a chat in real time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, joining the newsletter, getting in the Discord group is a great way to just like. You know get some community in your life do you get reenact some of that like couch side by side playthrough experience uh with with some pals it's exactly. a good way to spend, spend the saturday
0: it is it's it's really lovely and um yeah i i treasure those monthly hangouts uh i think they're so much fun and it's a nice way to wrap a bow on every game that we do together so before we discuss thirsty suitors, let's head on over to the pastry case. This is our monthly grab bag of topics where we uh, discuss what's happening in the industry, in the news, and what we've just been generally watching, playing, and reading. Today's topic uh, is a pretty timely one because we are on the eve, essentially, of one of the most anticipated remakes for me, and I'm just commandeering this show to gush about it mm. <laughs> there's a little game called final fantasy 7 that is in the midst oh. of a remake uh the oh. second installment uh, final fantasy rebirth is coming out this week i will i won't lie the vacation timing intentionally coincided with the launch of rebirth mm. uh, but i thought it'd be a good chance to talk about remakes in general are you a fan of them joel Wait,
1: so is this the seventh final fantasy? <laughs> How many finals can you have? Insert dad joke, waka, waka, waka.
0: Wow. wow, um, <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> I uh, I love remakes. I know that like it is a very popular thing to be like, there's no original ideas in Hollywood anymore or in video games anymore. And I agree, like we want to support original ideas and things like Geeks and Grounds is a great way to get plugged into games that you might not stumble across otherwise. But in general, there's something about reliving familiar stories that feels so human to me. It feels so like how culture works that you tell a story and then you retell that story and you retell that story. And so I'm going to say Joel is a fan of remakes. <laughs> there are going to be caveats as we get into this discussion today, but what is your starting point, Jenny? Where are you? What's your starting point?
0: I am. I'm in agreement. Uh, I was trying to do like a re in there, like a re agreement, but yeah, agreement, but no, I, I agree. I generally enjoy, and am in favor of remakes again, also with perhaps we haven't discussed this before. And I wonder if our caveats maybe are the same, Um mm-hmm but i do love a retold story we talked a little bit about this when we were playing bramble the significance and impact of folk tales fairy tales things get things get retold all the time and mm-hmm. i see some of the remakes that are made extensions of that you know we don't necessarily have folk tales or fairy tales in the ways that existed before i think we see them sort of in like final fantasy is kind of taking that spot, you know, for example. So Mm. I I do love a good remake. Uh, my,
1: we should write a think piece remakes the folk tale of our day or something like that by Jenny (laughs) Wyndham.
0: and Joel Thomas. Watch out Yale or Harvard. I don't know. Some big Ivy league (laughs) journal. (laughs) We're coming for you.
1: (laughs) We're coming for you.
0: Um, I'm curious, do you have any preferences? Like, do you find yourself loving video game remakes more, movie remakes more, Mm -hmm. um, adaptations like when things are remade into a different medium? Uh, Do you delineate between them or do you find yourself liking one type of remake more than another?
1: I just need there to be a reason for it outside of dollars. So like for me the remake of Harry Potter that's coming to television on HBO. I don't feel like there is adequate reason for that. Like not that much time has passed. The movies are still being played on repeat on sci-fi. I was just in a bar last <laughs> weekend and they were playing like a Harry Potter marathon on the TV. So it's like the movies are recent enough there. It's not like there's been some game-changing uh, technology that's going to make the storytelling better. Um, I do, I generally like maybe having, you know, an eight episode arc to tell the story of a book instead of a movie is maybe a good idea um, just in general, but I, I need there to be a rationale like the updated graphics of Final Fantasy seven from like what we had in the nineties to what we have today feels like a good reason. And then they took the story and made it so much more expansive, at least in the first one, the, the first of three parts for Final Fantasy seven, that it's like, OK, so there was a good reason and you honored the material while expanding on it. To me, that's perfect. Like that's that's the sweetest of sweet spots. Mm. Um, I, I in general, though, as long as there's a like a, a good reason for it and that reason could be it's been 40 years and we want to bring the story to a new generation. I can get behind that. I love that. But I, I, mm, it can't just be, it can't just be dollars. I don't know if that makes sense. That's kind of where I'm landing on this, Jenny. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
0: I I feel the same. I think, um, yeah, I think any remake, uh, if it's just done uh, for the money, I generally dislike it. And you can generally tell when the sole reason is dollars like there is just I don't know and maybe this gets into the like, you can feel it, which I generally don't think is a great argument for any for or against anything, but there is a soullessness that I think is transferred into the creation of a project, especially one as artistic as a movie or a show or a game when it's remade and the only consideration is uh, let's, let's milk the IP for as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, I completely agree with all of what you've said. I think to add on to that, a good remake for me and one that makes me excited about a remake is when it can stand on its own. And when we talk about um, like Final Fantasy VII's remake, I feel like it can stand on its own. So not only does Mm -hmm. it encourage and excite people who have played the game previously and have loved it for years, but folks who haven't played the original, while they may not have the same understanding of people who've played the original, they'll still gain an understanding and be able to consume it as it is within that medium. I think another remake that I absolutely love is Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think that's a really good example of you've taken a book, you've remade this into a movie series, and it is completely Mm. consumable for an audience who's never read the book and perhaps even encouraged people to go back to the source material. Uh, That was me. Yeah, and I think that for me... I don't know. I classify that as a remake because you're remaking the, you know, you're remaking a source story. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's just one of the stronger examples that still generally has aged pretty well. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Hmm. I feel like there's something to that. Like, it, it seems like there's a really, there there tends to be a frustration in the dialogue when people are talking about books that get adapted into movies. Mm-hmm. And that's always been so weird to me because it's like, yeah, there is definitely value in original screenplays. I love original screenplays for for movies, but oftentimes the opportunity to reimagine a book that has made some sort of cultural impact in a brand new medium to me feels like a really incredible way to both honor it should honor the original material and also kind of like give your your audience a chance to see the things they've only imagined, mm-hmm. like. I remember with the uh, Rings of Power series on Amazon, Um this is like a, a, a retelling of uh, a prior age of Lord of the Rings, for those of you who have not seen it, so it's in that same universe, but like, you know, a millennia earlier than the, the movies that we know and love. Um, they let you see the kingdom of Numenor in all its glory, and you see Moria in all its glory. And I remember being a kid and reading the books and being like, this Numenor place sounds really cool. You can only really read about it in like the appendices of the book or in this like an other series that came out later. But I I remember thinking like, this sounds amazing. And when I got to see that on, on TV, I was like, beautiful, stunning, like better than I had imagined it. Like it was just such a it was a potent way to connect me with something that I had mm-hmm. uh, forgotten that I had like deeply imagined mm-hmm. as a young person. So there's something to me about the, the conversion of books to visual media that I just love. I, I, I love it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm trying to think of any other remakes of games um, that have happened that I've really enjoyed, but admittedly i I honestly play so few games that are in that triple A or sort of remakable IP space that I don't um, have a ton of other examples. I just know, like for me, Final Fantasy is probably the biggest franchise I will always pay attention to. Um, I'm curious if you have any games that you would love to be remade. Like, do you have a bucket list of like, oh, if you could just remake this this, this one game or this, these three games, what would they be?
1: This is going to surprise no one who's listening to this podcast, but if they could remake Mario 64 (laughs) with an, an updated camera adjuster, like using your joystick or whatever to move, to adjust the camera, I would be in heaven. Like you could not touch the graphics or the mechanics at all and just update the way you move the camera. And I would, I would just buy it again. Like I've bought this game so many times. I would buy it again if I could just have an updated joystick an updated, <laughs> you know, joystick camera movement. So that's, that's certainly number one, What what's, what would be like your, anything on your top list? And I'll, I'll get some thoughts.
0: On that. Oh, okay. Um, so while I understand this probably doesn't fit the whole, like, it's been long enough that maybe we want it for a new audience, selfishly, I would just love a Final Fantasy 10 remake uh, or a Final Fantasy, I think Final Fantasy 8 is maybe closer, um, because those are two of my favorite Final Fantasies, and I think uh, reimagining them and perhaps being allowed to... Bring in new lore and new details and quests that we can expand the world and characters in. I would just love to see more of Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy X's characters and world. Uh, so, I've, yeah. Oh.
1: Is it true? I've heard. I haven't played either of these games. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a rumor that the original code for Final Fantasy VIII is missing that no one has it. I've, Have you heard this? Is this a is this an old like a, a, an old rumor or familiar. something?
0: Familiar. I don't remember if it's for eight. Let's do a quick Google search. Quick Google. <laughs> this-
1: and while you're doing that, I'll ask you another question yeah. about Final Fantasy 10. Because I've had three different friends talk to me in the last year about Final Fantasy X and how great it is. And all three of them came back to me and said you know, I was replaying Final Fantasy X and the pacing is just so slow that it is hard to replay. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you can comment on any of these things.
0: Uh, so interestingly enough, I replayed Final Fantasy X, I think it was last year or the year before because I was part of a podcast uh, that was a retrospective where they actually did like a let's play and discussion of Final Fantasy X. Uh, I, I agree, the pacing... Doesn't really sit the way you might remember it. Um, <laughs> the rose cuddler lens, you know, of my memory definitely made it seem a bit more well paced. I still think that the game, despite some of the major criticisms I have of like how they've written certain characters and yeah, the pacing is wonky, I think the game still holds up. I think there's some really amazing really? themes. Like, honestly, if we wanted to talk about religion, uh, Among many other things, that game would be so great, I think, for Geeks and Grounds. If we could, like, figure again if we could do a long longer game like that's that's up there There's for me a way. If only well you know maybe maybe it's just we just have a month or two where we're like we're going to just delve deep uh and we'll play a long game but i think that would be a really great one to discuss especially because we've had some really interesting interesting t- discussions already on the role of religion the role of faith um what happens mm-hmm. when you maybe divest or separate from that faith uh and start realizing maybe it's not everything you thought it was It's really good i love that game so much Mm -hmm. and it has one of the pivotal scenes for me as a child where there's like a romance scene in every final fantasy game there's a romance scene the one in ten like was an awakening for me i swear it was amazing (laughs) it's just beautiful like who
1: were the characters for your awakening uh
0: yuna and uh titus or titus however you want to pronounce it um They are like, basically, there's just beautiful song um, that's being sung in the background. They're like floating in these waters. It's just like a music video. It's so beautiful. Uh, So, yeah, that was an integral part of my childhood. But yes, did you find source code details? Did Final Fantasy 8 get lost?
1: What I am finding is... Lots of threads on GameSpot on Reddit that are all talking about whether or not the Final uh, Fantasy 8 source code is lost. So um, some people are saying, like, it doesn't matter if it's lost. The modders have already put it on. Um, <laughs> you can find like the uh, what's it called? The ROM for it. So it's like. It, it's not a compelling argument for why it has not been remade. So Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I feel like I have heard that rumor. I can't remember if it was about final fantasy or even another franchise. Um, but I feel like also, and I am no programmer, so anyone who actually does code can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I imagine if you're remaking this game, especially after so long, you'd probably want to do a lot from scratch anyways. Maybe maybe you just want to have it for reference. I don't know. Again, maybe it's like a nice rough draft sort of situation. But um, I, I would imagine you're not going to be using a ton of that still. But, mm-hmm.
1: um, it's like what they... Yeah, it's like if you're giving it like the Final Fantasy Seven treatment, then you well, the source code should be irrelevant. You should be like the story beats and then move on. Yeah. Um, I, have a, I guess while we're on the topic of Final Fantasy, uh, I was telling Jenny, I just finished the demo like 20 minutes before we started tonight, and I loved it. If you are at all into this uh, genre or game series, I would highly recommend it. Um, one of the reasons as a kid that I did not play Final Fantasy, uh, actually, there were two. One is that your characters couldn't jump. And I (laughs) like to jump. It bothers me when you're playing a game and your characters cannot jump. It drives me up the wall. Um, The more interesting question that I have for you is I was convinced that turn-based games were stupid. That if you (gasps) couldn't jump on the head of a bad guy in real time and have a fight and watch them react to you hitting them, then it's not a good game. And... When There's I was more. playing, <laughs> when I was playing the remake just this afternoon, what I was reflecting on is like, you know, that's not how it plays anymore. It's more almost like hack and slash mm-hmm. in some ways. And I found myself thinking the pace of this action is so fast that I actually can't enjoy the spell casting or the the cool fighting animations like I would want to and so I was wondering if you have any thoughts especially knowing what your deep connection is to Final Fantasy 7 mm. on the difference in those play experiences and the in the the remakes
0: yeah well this is this is a question I think that has been a big one for fans of the franchise as a whole, like the movement from turn-based battle to more of a real-time situation, uh, I think has been sort of hotly debated and people have very strong opinions. I am all for it. I think it's mitigated by the fact that they do have a classic mode where you can go in and make it turn-based if you would like. So if you're finding you're like, I actually kind of want the, (laughs) the experience of being able to think through all of my attacks and have a more traditional like, Final Fantasy 7 experience. I would say you could turn that on and I think even having the option there makes me feel good. Uh I I think that the franchise just as this is getting into like big Final Fantasy questions. Mm-hmm. I think as a franchise, they should be experimenting and they should try new things and I think it's really mm-hmm. cool that they are having this more sort of like you said hack and slash action motivated gameplay. Um I can tell I'm not as good at it. <laughs> I'm much better at turn-based battles and I will always love turn-based battles, but I think it's fine. I I am a full proponent for the franchise moving forward, trying different things and like if it doesn't go well, they can always go back. You know, they can always try something new. Um that being said, if they never made another Game of Thrones-inspired Final Fantasy, I would be ecstatic because I thought it was not their greatest experiment. But you know what? That's what we do experiments for. And then we move on and hopefully learn from them.
1: Did they make a Final Fantasy game inspired by Game of Thrones?
0: The latest mainline one, Final Fantasy 16, I believe. Yeah, um,
1: I have that. I never played if- it. Was it not very... <sighs> Didn't check, didn't scratch the itch.
0: I, okay. I didn't finish it. And I have some folks who I respect their opinions very highly who loved it. And I also have folks who I respect their uh, opinions and they like hated it. My experience when I played was the demo like hooked me enough that I wanted to play more. And then when I kept going, I just found my attention lagging. And it just felt so dark and Game of Thronesy that it turned me off. Hmm. I think it's the same way mm-hmm. I feel about the Avatar remake, actually, if we wanted to segue into that, too. Um, yeah,
1: let's get into it. But yeah, Final <laughs>
0: Fantasy 16 for me feels, um, dare I say, boring. <laughs> I think for me it's just boring and doesn't offer um, the sort of whimsy and the outlandishness that i've come to expect from final fantasies which we Mm. even get in serious like other melodramatic serious dark final fantasies like seven and eight they have moments of outlandishness and whimsy and silliness and so i think for me that's what's missing from 16 that i personally feel is integral to the final fantasy formula and I think they missed out on that. And that's the one thing I hope they don't change. Like I'm all for experimenting genres, tones, but that's just the element for me. That was like, it's not a Final Fantasy until you get a little bit wild, you know?
1: You know, these are also like 80 hour games right, plus. right? And you need joy and fun and silliness. If you are going to make the dark stuff feel dark, right? Like, When you play Elden Ring, you whenever you're in those boss battles, it doesn't matter what you've been experiencing in the rest of the game. Your heart rate is going to get up. Mm -hmm. But the story in a lot of these Souls games are is usually not super robust. Now, there's always I'm going to before you get in the comments and you come for my (laughs) neck, I know there is rich lore behind all of those games. And if you spend your time, you can really dig in and understand the lore. But I just mean like as a part of the main game, the story is not heavily emphasized. Like it kind of is like a challenge-based game. I'm going to challenge myself by going to this boss spot. I'm going to challenge myself by doing X, Y, and Z. Final Fantasy is so Mm story-driven that you have to have dynamics. You have to have those high moments or the low moments just feel one note. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say your experience with Sixteen. Wise.
0: Yeah. And last thought, and then we'll talk about Avatar really quick. Uh, for me, I think 16 also fell into the Marvelization tropes and traps that I really don't like from the Marvel movies personally, where I think sometimes, um, <laughs> which I know a lot of people love the movies, you know, <laughs> but I think for me what happens in a lot of especially superhero, just superhero themed, not even Marvel, is you start really big and you kind of have nowhere to go from there. And so like the demo had this like epic battle with these sort of behemoth creatures that are giant and there's flames. And it's, I'm just like, this feels like a boss battle at the end of every other game. And this is in the first 20 minutes of this game, like where are we going to go from here? And I think that question of where are we going to go didn't Mm. feel sufficiently answered because there was no pacing to allow me to breathe. It just kept on. I just, and again, this is me playing the first few hours. So maybe there is joy and whimsy and breathing room in the middle of the game, but the first few hours weren't enough to let me feel like I had that room to process even what was happening because it was Mm. all just like big explosions, important things happening. And I'm just like, I don't even know my name anymore (laughs) because it's all happening so fast.
1: I And, you know, I'm a Marvel boy. So here's what I will say. (laughs) Marvel movies, the good Marvel movies are the ones where they use these kind of grandiose set pieces Mm -hmm. to tell very small stories. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at guardians of the galaxy three, which I probably cried like three or four times watching that movie because it is such a small story. Mm -hmm. It's really all, I almost all about like the rocket character and like how he was made and how he like learned a sense of family and these like big grandiose set pieces are supporting that. Mm -hmm. But like, that's where your attention is pretty much the whole time. Yeah. It's like, what really happened here? And when it doesn't do well, it's when the set pieces are the story. And I I, I totally resonate with that, Jen. It's a really insightful perspective. And I'm sorry that 16 was a bit of a letdown for you. I know that yeah. you're a big fan of the franchise. You know,
0: I'll I'll give it a try again someday. Seven right now is all I need. And I'm not going to I'm happy with that. <laughs> Um, But I'd love to hear your thoughts, because we also, in the Community Hangout, talked a little bit about Avatar. Mm -hmm. I'd love to just hear hear your thoughts on this remake, because I know we both were anticipating it, and we've talked about it in previous episodes.
1: Yes, I finished it last night. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's what I will say. If you are on the fence, you should watch it. I think it's more good than bad. I enjoyed myself for the most part while I was watching it. Now I did after a while, start picking up a little hobby while I was watching (laughs) it so that I had some other things to like preoccupy myself with. So I'm gonna give you that caveat, but my overall take is it was a positive experience. I think the things that it did not do well, they can course correct in follow-up seasons. Should they get them? Um, but the thing that was most troubling to me were the things that we talked about leading up to the release which is like they really softened katara's character like i was just thinking about this like katara in the original series the 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 toxic fanboys that were in the the, the community at the time were like she's so annoying she's so bossy she can't handle her emotions and it's like A producer heard that and was like, well, in the remake, we're going to make her this very soft and meek character. And she's still going to be a badass fighter, but she's not going to like really yell and get in people's faces and like be the boss that she is. And the series is poorer for it. Mm. That is my, I I think this is what we talked about in the hangout is like, they took characters that had very defined arcs and they, they sanded off the edges. And in doing so we were left with characters that were a bit bland, like even the fire Lord, like the Zuko's dad, who's this kind of power hungry, abusive father in the, in the animated series, you see him in this. And first of all, like this, we talked about this. <laughs> Daniel day Kim is just charming. So like it was going to be a hill to climb regardless, but <laughs> He comes through as a person that like, yeah, he has a twisted sense of family and he doesn't treat his kids well. And like that comes through, but he sees himself as a, as a good guy. And I think in the original series, when you watch, he sees himself as a person who it's like, might makes right. I am seeking power and it doesn't matter if I'm good or bad. Like that is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think like those types of character decisions for me, were really um, not great mm-hmm. but you have moments where they expand character relationships that I think are absolutely beautiful. Um, the Uncle Iro Zuko relationship is, I think, so well done. You see things like, um, I will I will not give spoilers, but you see things like how Zuko interacted with IRO, Um, after kind of the pivotal loss that inspires Iroh's change. And you don't see that interaction in the animated series, but you get to see it in this Mm -hmm. and how they like actually formed their tight bond. And like, I was crying watching that scene. Like it really got me. And the actors in that are incredible. Uh, The kid playing Zuko was in pen 15 and I loved him in pen 15. Mm -hmm. I think he's a great Zuko. Some people are like, well, the kid that played Jet is the real Zuko because Zuko's strong. And I was like, no, 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 no. If you look at Zuko from the animated series and you're like, he's a strong boy, (laughs) you did not watch the series well. Zuko is a soft boy that is strong. Mm -hmm. And that is the kid that's playing Zuko in the series, I think is so perfectly nailing that relationship. So that's my overall Avatar take. How far have you gotten? What are your thoughts? What are you feeling?
0: Okay, I will admit, you've encouraged me to keep going because after the first episode, I was, I turned it off because I was like, I don't know if I can do this. The first episode <laughs> was so heavy handed in the exposition. Mm-hmm. I found it nigh unbearable. I could not. I, I was watching and I was like, at some point, they have to make a turn. At some point, I've got to feel like they're like making me feel the same, I don't know, excitement for what's about to come, but the, the decisions that they made, even in how they framed the journey and how they began with sort of the Fire Nation's attacks in the past, as well as immediately showing you the air temple I forget what they call it but like they 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 do some things narratively that I feel like Mm -hmm. lean into maybe the tone that they wanted to achieve but I think for me it felt just too again too heavy-handed in sort of like this is what's happening and this is the problem Mm -hmm. that Aang is going to be struggling with and we're gonna really tell you what what his arc is going to start out and kind of be through the rest of this. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Like, uh, yeah, I, I just did not enjoy it. And I also, I think the actress who plays Katara is wonderful, but I feel the same where I'm like, they did not give her, they did not give her like it's the amazing. real meat to chew on with this character. And mm-hmm. I felt so sad because totally. I love, I love her in this character. And I wish she had more to work with. Cause I felt the very same, even in the first episode. She feels much more mm-hmm. meek. Um, so, yeah, I'll I'll give it another try. Um, but here's <laughs> what I will say: yeah.
1: I, here's like here's like your, the warning flag I would give. If you're like on the fence as you're watching it, if they get to the city of Omashu and you get through the episodes in Omashu and you like that, you should keep going. Mm-hmm. If you've gotten to Omashu and the events in Omashu and you're like, eh. I'm not really feeling it. It's not worth, it's not going to be worth keeping.
0: That's a good marker. At that point. Yeah. I will say, I I
1: think it's about halfway through. I
0: do love the costumes, the choreography, like in some spots, the choreography has been just outstanding. The special effects are really cool. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just some of the writing. I feel like I was, I wish, I wish we had some of the original showrunners in the writer's room. (laughs) That's all I wish. So.
1: It it totally helps you understand why they left, because like if you're on the original series and you're the creators mm-hmm. of the original series, you would if, if you had to choose between characters and really great choreography and expansive visuals, you would choose characters. Yeah. And that's the thing that they've sacrificed. Yeah. So it makes total sense to me why the originals left. I I hope that maybe Netflix listens to the discourse happening online right now, maybe brings them back in for season two and is like, get us out of this mess, please.
0: Yeah, I think we'll it's see. encouraging, though, to hear you say that it's stuff that potentially could be remedied in a second season should they get one uh, and should they commit to perhaps editing and rewriting.
1: <laughs> I think so. But also, but also everyone. I really just want to see a Toph. I need to see Toph. Oh, yeah. Please let me see Toph in real life. Like I need it so badly. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to also share that bias.
0: <laughs> um. Really quickly, before we leave the pastry case, I'd love to know what are some of the other things that you've been watching, reading, playing, just enjoying this week?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, a new um, anime that released on Adult Swim. It's streaming on uh, HBO right now called Ninja Kamui. And um, it is nothing super special story wise. It's just a revenge story of a man who loses his family. But it is kick ass the animation on this is like jujitsu kaizen level good like would highly recommend that if you're into like action anime um and we have just started uh the the season four of true detective and we're about halfway through and i am loving this it's doing such a good job of like showing the systemic powers Mm -hmm. uh the, the systemic abuse of power that happens with like even small town uh, police forces it's a uh, really great indigenous storytelling the characters are incredible and N- true detective always walks a thin line between surrealism and realism and Ooh. this season delivers on that in spades so would would highly recommend
0: very cool i have seen so much about true detective and admitted i hadn't looked into it um but i now we'll probably check it out because I didn't realize that's what it was. I, for some reason, thought it was more of like true crime document, like oh. a documentary. Like I thought it was like a true crime document documentary, oh. um, which I've been generally trying to avoid for myself because I just am not mm-hmm. as huge fan of a genre, of the genre. But um, I didn't know it was like fiction, surreal, like – yeah.
1: I mean, I, I would still say the first season of True Detective is one of the best seasons of TV ever created. Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey. Wow. It was like, in my opinion, it's the reason we got the McConnaissance is because of. Oh my gosh. His portrayal Wait, did we
0: get a McConnaissance? <laughs> did I miss yes, it? Yes,
1: we got the McConnaissance. <laughs> you must have missed it. We had that. He was in Dallas Buyers Club. He got an Oscar for it. Like, yeah, I missed yeah, all he that. Was in all- <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The year was 2014 or some, somewhere about, I don't know. That's really um, funny. yeah, uh, s- season 4 has been incredible and um, Jodie Foster is the lead. She's crushing it. Really enjoying it.
0: Oh. Okay. So now I'm just I I'm, so they change leads every season? Is it like an anthology? Every completely so it's a different fresh story? Oh. Even better. I god, I love that format so much. Um yeah, too. Awesome.
1: What are you getting into right now, Jenny?
0: Okay, so after Avatar left me disappointed, uh, I started a different show on Netflix called Ready, Set, Love. Uh, This one, (laughs) admittedly, I was kind of like, this looks really cheesy, but, and it is. It's absolutely, it's so cheesy. Uh, So it's a Netflix. Thai Netflix show uh, that <laughs> that combines kind of everything I love from sort of the outlandish rom-com style dramas with dystopic settings. Uh, this is a world in which there was a pandemic in the 70s in Thailand, and I think around the world, uh, where the male population was decimated to like 1% of what it once was, as well as the male birth rates. And so men are a rarity. They're revered as like these national treasures. They live in a special complex in Thailand where, you know, they're taken care of, like every needs are met. And then there's sort of this competition where the sort of fanciest woman in society, as well as a lottery of like a couple of average people can enter to marry these men uh and so it combines dystopic reality show dating dramas it's it's so good and it's really it's really comedic really outrageous and outlandish like it's intentionally intentionally very cheesy and i love that um and our main character, uh, she is sort of this unassuming shopkeeper. She has a younger sister that she's taking care of, and she doesn't even want to enter the competition, but her sister, sneaky, gets her in, uh, and she happens to win the lottery that like only five women who are average get to attempt to enter the competition to date these guys, and hijinks ensue as she's part of the competition. It's so good. There's a deeper conspiracy that unravels as you watch more of the show, but I've just had so much fun with this. So it's nice. It's the one thing that I appreciate. Um, You know, I have my criticisms of Netflix, but I would have never discovered a show like this. I've never watched any Thai television before, and it's really exciting to see uh, just – This show and this other sort of um, country's take on these rom-coms that I'm really enjoying. So it was called Ready, Set, Love. I don't think I said what the title is. So if you want cheese, this is it.
1: That, okay, quick tangent. Mm -hmm. That is almost identical to the plot and story of Creamery, which is a New Zealander show on Hulu.
0: Interesting. And...
1: The the, I mean, there's slight differences in that, like, um, as far as we know, there are no men left. And like the central drama is in the first episode, they find a man and it helps kind of unravel that there's deep systemic things happening, which I won't spoil. Um, And so that is so fascinating that like even the beats around like the sisters engaged in this way and like there's kind of a I I won't get into it. I loved Creamery. I have no idea if it will get a season two, but I I thought it was fantastic. So apparently you and I are just drawn to this (laughs) storyline.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think there have been a couple. um, Gosh, I'm forgetting. I mean, there was another dystopic. This one was more maybe it was Mad Max, but it was like there is a post-apocalyptic world where it was primarily women and like men were really rare um. There, yeah, there's a lot, and like, oh, what's the one that came out? It was like, it's not Among Us, <laughs> Among Men, or something like that, where it was like the la- the birth rate had just fallen in children general. of men. Children of men. There we Great go. Great
1: movie. Yeah.
0: Cool. So I do like I am drawn to dystopia and dystopic fiction in which that is a premise uh sort of Mm -hmm. this idea Mm -hmm. of like impacted populations um but this is just silly and fun i am having a great time i'm like three episodes in i think there's maybe six or eight uh currently i don't know if it's done um but it is going to be it's a season so i'm wondering if they're going to maybe bring another season or if it's just like a one season run i'm not sure i just randomly started watching it and i have had a great time um i i mentioned i've been playing balatro uh, which is a g- demo that we talked about very briefly mm. i picked up the full game and loved it if you like roguelites uh roguelikes sorry there's like st- this is a true you start fresh every main run um, with nothing if you don't enjoy that this is not the game for you but this is just a poker game uh, remix where you're creating hands, trying to achieve certain point totals, and you get a lot of buffs and debuffs along the way in the form of (laughs) joker cards, tarot cards, and I think they're called celestial cards it's so much fun it's i've been playing this in between my rounds of suika and final fantasy 7 remake i uh, can't recommend it highly enough i initially thought maybe it was gonna do an inception style like sneaky story but i've played enough of it now where i'm like nope this is no story this is just pure gameplay so if you're not wanting another story game but you want something that'll like scratch your brain in a nice way this this will do it um And I started reading a book called Yellow Face, which I know made the rounds on Book Talk last year. I'm about six chapters in. (laughs) And I think I'm going to finish it. But as it currently stands, I'm not really a fan. I Mm. think, and I can't tell if it's I think the writing's not super strong. I think the writing is super,
1: um, interesting
0: in terms of structure and like prose. Like I think the writing can, it it sort of gets really into some mundane details and some, it's just so the, some of the writing just feels a little bit like "Mm," to me. Um, but I am trying to decide whether or not, I dislike it because the character is just so incredibly dislikable. Or if I actually dislike what the book is trying to say, Um, the character definitely is dislikable. Yellowface is a book uh, that says uh, that it uh, addresses issues of plagiarism, corruption, and like controversy in the publishing world. I Mm -hmm. found it's where I've currently – stopped reading. It has done less that and more illuminated sort of white women's privilege in the world and how mm. frustrating like reading this character I have found my jaw just dropping at some of the internal monologue that she has because it is quite like very racist in some points. Um and so yeah, I'm still jury still out in terms of whether or not I think this is a good book because I don't know if it's going to do what it sets out to do, Mm -hmm. but I do know the character is incredibly (laughs) dislikable, and it's really hard reading her. Intentionally so, I think. Definitely intentionally so. I think my issue right now with the writing is I'm not sure if the author has really sort of decided – to, I don't know if the author is going to be able to put the onus on the main character for what she's mm-hmm. done. I feel like in some of the situations in this book, the author has passed the buck to the publishing team for instigating some of the stuff that's happening in terms of her taking on this role of uh, potentially implicating – like saying that she may be ambiguously racial essentially – and i'm like i feel like the book is almost passing the buck a little bit and not putting the full onus on this main character for what she is truly responsible for and what she could be responsible for and i think that for me is frustrating as a reader but yeah i'll i'll come back when i finish it um it's abso- it's a compelling read but it's i'm not sure if it's if i like it or not <laughs>
1: I have some very deep insider tea on this, and yeah. I'm going to spill it. So Yes, please do. I read, uh, in, a, in the States, we call it Babel. Everywhere else in the world, Babel. The R.F. Kwong wrote uh, a couple of years back and fucking mm-hmm. loved it. I thought it was one of the best books I had read of the year. Yeah. I thought it was poignant, the magic, and it was so interesting. Yep. So I was pretty excited to hear about what the next story would be. When I was talking about it with one of my good friends, um, it turns out that this good friend went to high school with uh, Rebecca (sighs) and uh, that she was a bit of a mean girl, apparently, back in the day. And so um, the word on the street is, because she's had some interviews, that like there are elements of this main character's personality that... Uh, Quang has claimed are inspired by herself. Um, that she's not saying her good. She right. like the the book isn't supposed to be intentionally like calling her out and calling her to task. So right. I don't know if it does it. I haven't read it, but um, I just thought it was. It's so interesting to hear you talk about this without knowing this additional little yeah. little morsel of gossip that I'm holding that I have now shared with the world. Um, <laughs> So, I, cause I, and I'm, I'm curious about if you decide to continue like how mm-hmm. you like it, because it's something, it's a book that I've been on the fence about. Cause it's like, if I buy it, I know that my friend is not going to super love that yeah. because I have to be very careful even talking about Babel in their presence. So
0: really? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I think in some ways, again, I think the writing itself, which is interesting because I also love Babel. Babel, Babel, whatever. I loved that book. And I feel like the writing, like just the actual, again, the writing itself, I'm like, this is not as strong. And I'm like, is this indicative because she's taken on the voice and tone of this character who is not maybe a strong writer? And it's like, maybe this is the actual persona of the character coming through in the writing. I don't know. But I just- A generous read. Yeah, that that would be the most generous. Um, I think- It'll just – i I'm going to finish it because I want to see if it does what it says it wants to do. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest indicator to me of if I think it's, we'll it's worthwhile or not. Because um, as of right now, it just reads as a white woman's confessional. And I find it very irritating and just not like – it's not doing anything or telling me anything that I didn't already know about the publishing industry or – white women who want to take on topics that maybe they don't actually know about like there are just i won't say some of these examples because they're just i don't want to spoil the book but there are just some examples in this where my i was shocked to be reading it but then at the same time it's like we all know people maybe who have said or thought some of the Mm -hmm. things that this woman says or thinks in this book so um it's a conversation starter, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> what I will say is, if the if the um, beats of this story resonate with you, our listeners, this kind of publishing insider scoop dealing with kind of racial tension uh, and racism within the industry, um, the other Black Girl is a yes. fantastic book that is like almost like psychological horror in some ways that deals with the same thing, but from like obviously like a Black woman's perspective. Um, and it, I read that a couple of years back and thought it was just so, so well done. So yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah. There was, um, I'm trying to, there was a book called erasure that I read in like the early two thousands that I feel like also, um, dealt with this topic a little bit more Mm -hmm. impactfully and like a little bit more thoughtfully. I just, it. As I currently am reading it, I don't know if Yellow Face is just doing it in a way that I think builds actual knowledge. It sort of just kind of shows us the bad that's in the world, but doesn't really do anything about it, which, I mean, I guess there's a place for that, but I don't know. Everyone was talking about this books and everyone's yeah, like, are you reading in sure. Yellowface? I'm like, you would have so much to say about it. And I'm like, sure. And turns out I do, but I don't think I have the same things that those people we're saying
1: did you recommend um I think it was called hard feelings to me
0: I don't I think, think so it was like
1: it was let me just look it up really quick um it was a book that uh dealt with um oh, I'm not gonna be able to pull it it's not called hard feelings this must be called something else but um, it was like an Asian woman talking about like the kind of rage that she feels like as she's navigating throughout <sighs> society. Um, she also like does not make her minor work, feelings. I think minor feelings. Yeah, I That's did.
0: That's it. Yes. That's a great book. I think everyone should read that book. Oh, so good. But, an, a, that was amazing. A, it was, and it's an example of, well, this, and this is a person she's writing from a personal experience. She's mm-hmm. also not in many cases not very like likable. Like you don't find yourself really rooting for her in some of the ways mm-hmm. that maybe you'd anticipate wanting to root for someone in their memoir. <laughs> but yeah. um but it's so just like honest in its the beauty and the ugliness that I'd lo- I love I love that book so much. Um and I loved That she shared that story. And I feel like that even gets across some of the frustrations more than what Yellowface currently Mm. is doing for me. They're on different topics, but I think if I had to recommend one, I would absolutely recommend Minor Feelings over Yellowface for a variety of reasons.
1: All right. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, A year after (laughs) publication, you heard it here first. Right
0: um uh, but yeah so that's what i've been up to uh just to finish out the pastry case before we get on to thirsty suitors uh for the notable releases this week just one um the thomaturge uh coming out on pc on march 4th this is by fool's theory and 11-bit studios i am generally a fan of what 11-bit studios publishes so i'm excited to see them uh do this title uh they did what is it? They did Frostpunk, which was really good. Indica mm-hmm. is the demo that many of us played. They're they're publishing right. Indica as well. Uh and the Thomaturge is a story driven RPG. Looks like Kind of similar to like a disco Elysium esque style world mm. um, in some ways. Morally ambiguous choices, so similar in that way. Uh, it's a little bit less sort of DD inspired or like role play inspired with a dice. It's more of a turn based RPG uh, where you're in 20th century Warsaw and you play this man who has these abilities to see these creatures, you know, as a thaumaturge, and he has to guide a woman to safety outside of the city. So, That's a cool premise. Yeah. I feel like you would maybe enjoy it because there's got, they're like escaping sort of like Russian secret police. And there's a lot of, mm. like, I think you have the cultural knowledge or has some of the historical knowledge that I wouldn't have to actually like appreciate maybe some of the story's nuances. Uh, mm. But it looks really interesting. I'm excited to see, uh, <laughs> to put it in the backlog, if I'm being honest. I'm excited to put it but in the
1: backlog. backlog. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry to every game. That's not Final Fantasy this month. I'm sorry. Uh, As always, we recommend or welcome questions, comments, anything you'd like to comment on. Just send an email to Jenny at Geeks and Grounds and uh, we'll share it here on the podcast or just read it and appreciate it if you don't want us to share it. Um, So let's head on to this month's brew. The final final brew of Thirsty Suitors we're finishing the game today we start on chapter i forget the number it's the graveyard of your broken dreams i think is the title of the chapter <laughs> which is just adjacent to the boulevard of, of broken mm-hmm. dreams or whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> this it was a
1: good it was a good shout out it was a, it good, was a good
0: i was like i had to you read the chapter title and instantly i'm like green day of course
1: yeah of course.
0: Um, But yeah, the the action really gets going. We had a bit of a slow, I think, section last week. You know, things kind of, mm-hmm. we had a couple of Things really pick up when we start this chapter. Um, and Do you want to kick us off, Jill?
1: Yeah, so you'll recall that the night before, as you were about to fall asleep, <laughs> that your dad said, Hey, we have something hard to, or something really big to tell you tomorrow, but I'm not going to tell you now, which we decided was a terrible way to do anything. Yeah. Um, so the opening of the story is you come downstairs and essentially the big news is grandma's coming to town. Yay, um, the big bad of the whole game has finally been revealed. Uh, Okay. Maybe not, but, uh, really interesting. Um, you use that opportunity to kind of like prep and refine some of your skills cooking. You're about to go meet a Rooney. You're about to, uh, meet grandma. And so you have a chance to kind of like refine your cooking. There's a really great comment that gets made. That's like, um, basically the using cooking as manipulation and, uh, the mom's like i don't know what you're talking about what is so silly but like that's 100% what's going on they're like it's okay it's just kind of how it works yep um did you have any big like aha moments as you were listening to kind of the introduction, like grandma's coming to town, like anything that kind of stood out to you in that conversation?
0: Um, I'm. Let me bring out my notebook. I don't think I took any major notes during that section. Um, I think other than just kind of, um, just making a note about mother-daughter relationships in general and how this is like. What I think is really interesting about this game is it framed it initially and I went into it initially as a, ah, this is going to be an exploration of like romantic relationships and their impact mm-hmm. on our lives and all of this. And while that has been done for the majority of the game, I think the real core of this game lies much more within the family dynamics and the this mother-daughter relationship, not simply with Jala and her mom, but now we are seeing Amma and And I think it's really cool um, that we're seeing this multicultural, multi-generational exploration of what that looks like. So that was all I wrote was just just excited to really get Mm -hmm. into it, basically.
1: It's also like a moment where you start seeing Jala getting kind of defensive of her mom. Yeah. Um, Kind of being like, you shouldn't you shouldn't be afraid of your mom coming to town like that's Mm -hmm. that's actually a sign that something is not good Mm -hmm. and like mom can't really entertain that line of thinking right now but like you can see that that she's amped she is like on the edge of she's on the edge (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. probably the best way to say it Mm -hmm. um and so it is uh it is I think that's an important note to take away is that like Jala explicitly does not like the way Patti treats her mom. And yep. so um, that I think comes through in a really consistent way throughout the, these next few chapters. But I think that was an important kind of mm-hmm. insight for me as I was listening.
0: Yeah, that's a really, um, really good point.
1: You move from there into finally with your mom's prodding, um, <laughs> finally getting to sit down and talk with Aruni. And I have a lot of feelings about this exchange. Yeah. Um, so it you go you meet at the diner, right? Um, the first thing I was struck by was how goddamn normal she looked. like she did have purple hair, but her fit with like the white pants and the button up blouse, I was just like, what is happening no, here? Why?
0: This made total sense to me though because this is first child of immigrant family syndrome. For sure. So here's the thing, because Aruni is the first born daughter, especially of this family, of an immigrant family. And so there's this expectations, you know, that especially good mothers are selfless and sacrificing, and they'll even neglect themselves to make sure that their children live out the best lives. And especially if you're an immigrant mom, you're like, i crossed oceans for you to live your best life and you will extend you know this family's opportunity in this country okay and so the dynamic of especially for an oldest child which I might be a little bit familiar with being the oldest daughter in the family um to there's this expectation of being the first to have to meet your mother's expectations whether or not they're like really like some mothers may push on that a bit more than others but there is that expectation and there is that feeling of the sacrifices that were made for you you have to in turn pay them back by doing these things that your mother would want that your family would expect and mm. not complain because they sacrificed that for you. And so I wonder, especially with Aruni, you see her as so like sort of straight laced compared to Jala. And I wonder if that is an impact or a result of being the firstborn in, and having that also impact their relationship because Jala is the second kid She gets a skateboard, she's dating around, she's rebellious. She's got like way more sort of like eclectic style compared to Aruni. She's not married yet. Aruni's getting married. It really illuminated for me the like. Older child, second sibling, like that whole dynamic in this conversation.
1: That's amazing. I would not have picked up on that at all. So (laughs) I thank you for bringing that to the conversation. Uh, well, there's also the comment that she makes. It's like, um, you were always the favorite. You're always mom and dad's favorite. At least mm-hmm. that happened in my my dialogue. Yep, me too. So is that also kind of like a part of this? That it's like the younger child can like do no wrong? Um, Is that kind of part of that dynamic as well?
0: I feel like to some extent, and you know, obviously it depends on the family, but I think there is this like, there's probably some sort of, Maybe not total resentment, but there is an awareness and feeling of I tried so hard to meet these expectations that they had. Mm-hmm. And yet they are so forg- – like you get to do all this stuff and they forgive you for all of it and I never got to do this stuff. And so I think there's this acknowledgement from Rooney of like you were the favorite because if I did that, like th- that's just not – what that wouldn't have flown. I wouldn't have done it, you know? And I think there's this tension between what you get to do versus what I get to do and how parents are treating you because of it, which ties in really well with like Patti to Ama and Ama mm. to the kids, you know, because mm. generationally also like, you see later on Patti's like, I grew up and this was not the way, you know? And it's like, well, yeah, there's there's the tension between the generations. So yeah, I, I saw it as as reflective of more of that sort of generational tension. And even in the ages difference of the siblings.
1: I love that. I mean, like, I'm also an oldest child. And so I definitely had that pressure, the extreme strictness, Mm -hmm. the frustration, Mm -hmm. seeing my younger brothers get way easier treatment than I had. Um, But it didn't come with any of the like. I uprooted my whole life to give you these opportunities they mm-hmm. come with any of those types of pressures. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a whole dynamic of this that I just completely would have missed. Uh, so I really appreciate your perspective on that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as you were, uh, as we're, we're, going through, I would love to know your perspective. We finally get an answer to what all the drama is about. Um, and just to kind of categorize it broadly, Essentially, Aruni is the one that set Jala up with Jennifer, the big ex that she's been away with for the last three years. Mm -hmm. And it sounds as though Jennifer kind of pressured Jala into cutting off uh, communications with her family back home. Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts about this rationale and what happened but I'd love to hear what your perspectives were on this.
0: Man, I I want to hear yours to be honest, especially cuz I feel like I cut you off on the sibling topic a little bit.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Are you, are you kidding me? No. Get in the comments and tell Jenny no. she did not cut Joel no. off. <laughs> not true. Um okay. Maybe I I think it might be an expectations problem. I'm going to start mm-hmm. with that. I was under the impression that an event had occurred that had driven a spike between Jala and the family.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: what I was eager to learn about is what was the thing that happened? And so hearing that it wasn't a thing so much as like Jala didn't talk to the people back home anymore.
0: Mm-hmm
1: felt like a bit of a a missed story beat opportunity to me. Like, I understand why it was there. I liked the element of Aruni feeling mostly guilt for introducing Jala to Jennifer and how, Mm -hmm. like, that adds to the tension between them. But, like, if your frustration, this goes for all of her family, if your frustration, if the central conflict is that Jala is not in communication with you. And when she finally comes back, your response is to be kind of a dick to her. That sucks. And like, it really makes me, I, it really bothers me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. And so I think for me, it might be an expectations problem, but like that, that, being the central point of drama was a problem for me so I would love to hear what you thought about it
0: yeah I it's so interesting because I definitely see it how I I definitely can see how that expectation set up is like would make you feel that way I took it a little bit differently not necessarily that I liked what happened but it made sense to me mm. in the in the ways that like Um, I also kind of thought it was maybe more of a big event, but when she described it as like, you just cut off communication, it was like this longer protracted thing. I was like, yeah, that I can see that making sense. I didn't really question that. Um, for me, the reactions of the family though did make sense in, in the realm of especially women, who maybe did not grow up learning how to vocalize their needs um, and advocating for that or being emotionally like available in certain ways, I could see them not addressing any of that in a really productive manner or communicating that really well. And so Mm -hmm. I can see like how her mom would maybe not even truly talk directly about what's going on other than like you should go talk to your sister because that maybe is the way that they've communicated any kind of major family problems before. And so for me, it was like not a, I think this is the best, healthiest way to do it, but I saw it as a I can see this being how a family approaches this kind of problem, especially considering the sort of main conceit that we see later about how a lot of the women in this family have not been able to achieve certain things or felt stifled in their roles um, and are trying to work this way out of this generational like restriction that women in their family have, whether consciously or unconsciously, uh, that they would not be able to necessarily vocalize to one another when they need to actually communicate more clearly, <laughs> so I see yeah. it. I see the way you're seeing it, though, for sure.
1: I hear you. I I think it might be just an expectations problem, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this. Sure, I'm sure later that just there are a few missing story beats within yes. this game, yeah. uh, and to me, this just kind of like it struck me as being one of them. But that can mm-hmm. be an expectations problem more than like a, an objectively, you know. Issued thing. Yeah. Um. Another thing that's interesting about this is there's no fight. There's no psychodrama battle.
0: No. Why not? Right. <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I I thought this was interesting too. At the time, I thought it was interesting because, it, or sorry, reverse. At the time, I didn't think twice because I was like, oh, well, we haven't fought family before. But then when we fight Potti, I was like. I feel like sister should have been a sub boss then. Um, So I didn't think about it in the moment, but then when we, then later on I was kind of like, huh? Um, So yeah, I agree with you on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and then essentially like she sets you up to go talk with Tyler and you get to, you get to kind of the penultimate chap that leads you to the penultimate chapter of the whole, the whole game. Um, But I think that's all I really captured from that. Like chapter seven, chapter eight experience. Anything else in your notes from that?
0: Nope. That was pretty much it for me.
1: Very cool. So we repair things with Aruni. We're feeling good. And uh, from there we go to, I think the next thing in my notes is you go to see Auntie C. Uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you you learn that she's going to be taking your mom out (laughs) to a lesbian bar called the Tool Belt, which I was just, I was on the plane playing this and I was just, cackling. I thought that was yeah. the funniest image. <laughs> and the idea that like Auntie C is bringing mom along to like go to this lesbian bar in the next town over. Like the imagery of that was just so fun. Like, I, I loved it. I know.
0: Well and again it's it's one of those things we we talk about again seeing parents as humans, seeing parents as people outside of the role of parent and it was just one of those things where I'm like I understand Amma is more than just a mother but I cannot envision her in a bar. <laughs> Like I cannot. And so it was just really, yeah, I love that moment. And I love I love that Auntie C is like keeping them young, you know? Just go out. For sure. Auntie hang hang Auntie out. Auntie C yeah, top
1: tier character. So <laughs> uh, and then you get the big twist of the of the story, which is that Aruni is the one who actually got the exes together. Because she didn't want there to be drama at her wedding, which I was like, that is some fantastic, that is some firstborn behavior. I'll be honest. That is something I would absolutely do.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's so funny because it's like, it's outlandish enough that I was like, yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) And I love just the detail also of Sergio being like, I thought it was my idea. I love that, oh, Sergio. So, good old Sergio coming through with the humor.
1: Ugh. Um, just to follow up on a thing before we get into the next piece yeah. from last week, uh, there were no more teens to battle by the time I got back into the game. Yes. So I did not get to lose to any teens. <laughs> we did learn during our hangout, though. Yes that you actually can de-radicalize the teens and get them to leave the cult. <laughs> so whatever so I was wild. doing, it was not the right thing.
0: Yeah, um, really quick, a shout out to um, Red Orca in the community who actually did do a little bit of digging to like verify this and also verified sort of the ways that the conversation branches could go mm. to uh, allow you to go with either sort of ending uh, of the game so shout out that was it was a big point of discussion in our hangout <laughs> so
1: yeah for sure uh, so back in back into the action yeah. uh, you now are going to battle Tyler and uh, Tyler's outfit her transformation Gosh. is incredible Beautiful. Um, I did not love her power set that she like calls forth the spirits of the exes to kind of like battle for her it's like that yeah. doesn't fit what I know about Tyler. What's going on here? Did you have any thoughts on
0: that? I also felt disappointed in the Tyler battle because of that um yeah, which I feel bad cuz I didn't I didn't have too much to say about the Tyler battle as a whole, uh which I don't know, it felt like a little bit of a letdown to me, um comparatively. Mm. Uh, especially with the buildup that we had in terms of knowing that Tyler's history with Jala spans the longest of all of the suitors that they had a friendship before even being romantically involved. Um, But yeah, I felt like I kind of just breezed through it and that was my experience of the battle. Mm -hmm.
1: I will say one of my, there was one very cool interaction, which is uh, if you summon your mom, Uh, which you can do is like a battle move uh, throughout (laughs) the game. Basically, after the first time I did it, I just fast forwarded uh, all of the rest of the animations. Mm -hmm. You cannot fast forward the summon of the mom if you call her for the Tyler battle. (laughs) And she just has like a conversation with Tyler. If you do, it still does damage, but it doesn't, it's not getting slapped down with Mm -hmm. the shoe. Right. So I thought that was a really interesting little interaction. Like that type of thing is what I wanted Throughout, like if anything, I should have been calling on the X's to like help bring Tyler around or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like that would have right. made more sense to me than mm-hmm. Tyler summoning the X's.
0: Yep. Yeah, I forgot that little detail. I'm glad you reminded uh, reminded me of that of the mom summon being different because that was a nice moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that battle for me was a little bit disappointing.
1: I agree. There were some good um, conversational moments. Uh, Tyler says, like, you wanted someone who didn't know you because you wanted to be someone else. I thought that was like, oh, mm-hmm. like that's one of those things that you can only say to someone when you really, really know, know and understand them. I thought that was very cool. <sighs> yeah. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting is that Tyler can really only see the exes for what they say about her. And in other words, like mm.
0: Tyler doesn't see the
1: other X's in the same way that Jala sees the X's. Yeah. And I thought, like, it, it was subtle, but like it was an interesting It's a really good detail. I
0: did not notice that. Um wait, can you so can you give an example of that?
1: No, I can't because I didn't write anything. Um <laughs> no but there was something about like how like the dialogue for during that battle where the exes are like interacting Mm -hmm. where it's just like, Oh, these are actually like kind of caricatures of those exes. They're not like who the exes are as people or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know
1: that generally how, how I took it. Mm -hmm. Um, I am curious. There's like one dialogue option that you get around, like why you left. And I chose the Jala was scared by how deeply Tyler felt about her dialogue option um do you know do you remember what you happened to choose for for that
0: i do not unfortunately and i did not write it down um i feel like i tended towards decision choice or choices that lean towards like i was too if too afraid normally Mm -hmm. so that may have Mm -hmm. been something i picked but i can't i don't i don't remember
1: Okay, so I'm just going to rapid fire some other kind of random random moments here. Um, I thought it was interesting that Tyler still has feelings for Jala because Tyler doesn't know Jala anymore. Like, the three years between, like, 23 and 26 are some of the most formative years of our lives, and that felt more like one of those, like, Tyler maybe still has feelings for the idea of Jala yeah. things. That I I think a, a a gap in this game in general is we we learn nothing about who Jala was during the three years that she was gone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I also didn't like that when you're talking with Aruni about Tyler, um, there's no option to not have feelings for Tyler. The only options are that you have some sort of interest.
0: Yes, in Tyler. I was also frustrated by that as well because. Again, I've been playing as healing arc, not just falling back into old habits Mm -hmm. arc. And so, yeah, I also found that a little bit like not to how I was playing the character.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there were just a few of those moments because like once that happened, I was like, OK, then I'm going to play the rest of this game as though I still have feelings for Tyler, <laughs> which does not work out because in the end game, if you professor flirt with Tyler, right. nothing happens. It just you get shut down. So it's like, well, what's going on here? Um, One last detail from the fight that I thought was pretty funny is that uh, you called collect to break up with Tyler. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. such a teen move, especially like from back when I was. A kid and calling collect still existed. I thought that was really, really funny. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's such good details to call out.
1: So then we get to chapter nine. Oh, actually, that night you get uh drunk Auntie C on the couch. Yes. Which is Chef's Kiss says beautiful. Again.
0: Love that moment
1: um and then we move into the final like main chapter of the game which is uh Patty shows up and i'm gonna like let's just fast forward through the events of that and then right. we can get we can get serious so the events are Patty shows up everything's passive aggressive you try <laughs> to cook more steps are added as you cook i couldn't even get to two stars in this moment so uh i failed badly but it seemed like one of those things you couldn't really win. Mm -hmm. You do this kind of skater verse into the spider verse moment where you're trying to dodge Patsy's
0: suitors (laughs) suitors.
1: You have a battle that you're supposed to lose. Then you have kind of your big like redemption moment. And then you have a battle that you can win with, with your mom's help.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's
1: kind of like the events of the chapter. Now let's talk about, like I would love to hear like, what were your reflections? Like let's start first thoughts. When you see Patti, when she walked to the door, what was the first thing you you thought?
0: I mean, yes, ma'am, is probably the first thing I thought. <laughs> Patti, like, Patti is your rich grandma. Like, like, she takes care of herself. Her hair is really beautiful and, like, well done. She's got jewelry. She's got her, like, I forget if it's, like, a pantsuit or something. But she is dressed to the nines. She is taking care of herself. She is, like you don't mess with potty and like you instantly get that vibe when she walks in, when she's, you, you know, her character is introduced. Um, what were your first gut reactions to potty?
1: I'm going to use a phrase that I don't know if I'm allowed to use. Um, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so I apologize if this is like appropriating and I will not use it again. Just tell me. Um, the phrase that came to mind when I was watching this was serving cunt. Like, that was <laughs> the moment. I was like, I feel like I am watching this pop star on stage that is like confident in who they are, dressed to the nines, and like incredibly, like, just everything. Like, it mm-hmm. is everything in one outfit. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. What were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, same. Uh, I thought she was great. I definitely, it's like you look at her, I, I looked at her and I was like, I aspire to be as formidable. Potty, honestly like as i get older (laughs) i think there's an element of like what i appreciate about her especially as you get to know her in the battles is she has gone through some stuff she has not had an easy life she's Mm -hmm. had to deal with a lot of shit um and so the fact that she's come out this other side and she is clearly able like she's taking care of herself she is the matriarch of this family and like I don't think she's doing all of it in the way that I is really healthy Mm. for the family, but I do respect that she has come such a long way and like is able to be as strong as she is. Uh, And so there is a lot of respect I have for Patti, even in the things, even knowing that there are things I think she should reflect upon and change.
1: You just said something like totally triggered for me. Like when you see Patti before she talks, when you first see her, it's like, this is the type of older person I want to be, like, just, like, out there, like, totally, like, mm-hmm. in control. Like, there's something about her look and presence that you're just like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of person I want to be. And I wonder how much of that, um, like, if they had changed her character design, I'm wondering if, if if they had made her less intimidating as a mm, character, mm-hmm. less boisterous and confident in her design, if you, if I would have had that same feeling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, you know, you got to imagine that part of Amma's desire to please Patti is the desire to kind of grow up to be like that, to be that strong, mm-hmm. fierce woman. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, like... I think that, like, a story is being told just in the design and costuming with that character.
0: Yeah. Which has been outstanding, honestly, for all, like, just a moment to shout out all of the character design. Like, mm-hmm. it's been really, like, so impactful for all of the characters. I think Patti is just, like, one of the standout examples for sure. Um but yeah, the cooking experience for me was honestly very stressful. I mentioned it in the Hangout because <laughs> it was, it actually like. So, in this cooking experience, you are being instructed by both your mom and by pati on the right way to cook the dish. And there is this push and pull and tension of, like, I don't know who to listen to. I'm trying to stand up for my mom this moment, but I also am like trying to be respectful of my grandmother. And it's all kind of going wrong because everyone's just being really passive aggressive or sometimes blatantly aggressive towards one another. Aruni's there and it's just this big mess. And It was so well done because I Mm -hmm. genuinely felt anxious during this time of the game. I felt so nervous. I was like, brought me back to moments where like my mom and grandma would be telling me different things. And like, I didn't know who to listen to because I really loved them both. And I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. One of my favorite scenes in this game, I think, because it blended story with mechanic with like progression of character knowledge and character arc in a way that I thought just was outstanding. So one of my favorite moments and sequences in the game. That
1: was so good. Uh I my heart rate was up there. It was like I think we've talked about this a couple times now, but like the cooking mechanic of this game feels to me so much more central to the game than the Fighting mechanics in Mm -hmm. general, like I actually liked battling the X's in terms of like I think psychic battle is a fun way to like resolve drama, Mm -hmm. but like it felt like um, not as meaningful to me as the cooking did, Mm
0: -hmm. which Mm
1: -hmm. I would never have guessed I would say as a video game player, (laughs) maybe even a couple (laughs) years ago. So um, yeah, a big change.
0: Yeah. Any anything else you wanted to highlight uh, as a part of that? that cooking battle before we get into sort of the, the psychic uh, mindscape battle.
1: I think I'll just throw in like, you are explicitly stepping in to defend your mom. Yes. Uh, Well, you have the option to, but I chose to uh, throughout this battle. Aruni is strangely quiet. I thought like, she's just kind of like lobbing hand grenades over the wall instead of like really getting in there. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was really surprising. Um, But now, again, now that we have this kind of oldest child thing, like, that's a whole other layer that I hadn't thought about. So I'll need to to reflect on that a
0: bit. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, for me, Aruni felt like exactly sort of oldest child syndrome of, you know, she probably has least resisted authority, essentially. (laughs) Like, I think that so her actions and her words during this section made sense to me because I was like, Aruni probably never would have talked back to Hmm. Uh, pati ever uh and maybe only barely talks back to amma so <laughs> um interesting maybe, yeah yeah but again i don't know how much of that is also me projecting first child's first daughter syndrome <laughs> uh onto aruni mm-hmm. but i i could feel aruni's uh discomfort in the way she acted for sure
1: interesting so we move to psychic warfare we are in this the this like drama scape. Uh what were some of your uh experience, highlights, lowlights going through this this kind of sequence of battles with the grandma?
0: Um I oh my god. I honestly wished that I wished some of the stuff brought up in this battle was teased out more in the game. I yes. it was so yep. good. And I'm like I love it so much, but I hate that we only got it in like the last hour and a half ish mm-hmm. of the game. When I'm mm-hmm. like, there is so much here to just absorb and think about. And I wish we had more time because they just kind of like one two punch the in- like pff, all of this stuff that I think could have made up half of the game. Like they could have had Patti come around sooner and like really gotten into it. And I think that would have been for me, really impactful for what I thought that the game really was successful at. And I was like, oh, I wish we could have dug into this more because it was so good.
1: I felt the exact same way. I was like, the richness of this dialogue battle oh, man. It could have been the like a driving force of this. Like that should have been the subplot of mm-hmm. this story more so than the goddamn bear in the skate park. <laughs> yeah, like. Okay, um, for those of you who have not played this, I'm going to just read out a few big beats here that I captured during this battle. Um, Patti actually doesn't believe in marriage out of love, believes that mm-hmm. it should be transactional, uh, b- adds in that Jala is unhappy because she's not living in India. She's disconnected from her cultural roots. Um, she has this incredible line. What will the world come to if intelligent women don't have kids? Like that—that that is the reason for having children. She explicitly blames Amma for Jala not having kids or not wanting kids. These and then eventually Jala blames Patti for her perception of love, which I thought was just like, yeah. Yeah. So like any one or two of those points could have been. Teased out Mm -hmm. for days leading up to this battle and they just simply are not. And I, I cannot for the life of me understand why. So yeah. I, were there other things that you captured while you're in that that you're like, this could have been a big story beat or like, um,
0: no, I think like I wrote all of those down. I've, This one was a bit more quippy and funny, but she was like, if you want love, get a dog. I thought that was like really funny. (laughs) Um, Just another indicator of how she feels about romantic relationships and marriage out of romance. Um, There was also a segment, it was so brief, it was like a debuff conversation, but when um, Jala talks about how Patti... Says she's supportive of her being queer, but she's like not actually supportive, like in the ways that show that actions are reflecting that support. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just so much here that I was like, it's it's a shame that we're getting it in these battle quips and in these debuff quips, when I really wish we could have dug into it in the actual meat of the story with these characters. Cause it's, it's just really good. And it really resonated with me on a lot of different levels. Um, I thought what was really interesting that I hadn't thought about um, was like Patti in her way, trying to grapple with the, the gener- like the socio cultural changes in her own family. Like, especially that comment about Jala wanting, like, Jala, you should come back to home with me so that you can experience and live your culture. You didn't choose this, which goes back to what we talked about when we played Venma. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea of, like, Patti having to have had, she had to fight to get to a point where she could feel like she could control her life. Um, seeing Amma leave and in some ways maybe she felt like Ama had rejected her and her culture in certain ways and seeing Jala and Aruni another degree of separation away from her Mm -hmm. I can see how like it can be easy perhaps to vilify Patti and say like oh this grandma she's like doesn't understand and like she doesn't but there is this feeling of perhaps rejection I think we need to acknowledge for her and this feeling of maybe losing her family in a way that she's not able to grapple with that she's not dealing with healthfully, but like I think it's important to acknowledge that Patti has stuff that she's also working through that she everyone needs to get a therapist, basically, is the theme of this game. That she needs to figure out how to communicate and work through as well. It's just, it's so good. And I'm like, I'm so sad, especially now that we're talking yeah. about it and I'm really thinking about it more. I just wish we had more time with this section of the game.
1: Like one of the things we talked about last week is when you get pressed about if you're going to stay in town Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, you know, nothing about Jala's life. You don't know if she has a job or you don't know anything. And so it's like an impossible thing, but it's like what could have made that story beat more impactful is if leading up to it, there had been conversations about like, Hey, have you thought about going and staying in India for a bit? And Mm -hmm. like having a chance to connect to some of those cultural roots, maybe even not even long-term, but it's like, that type of complexity and nuance, we didn't get Mm -hmm. to embrace or really experience. And it's like, well, I didn't even think about that as an option. But like, maybe it would have been good for her to take, you know, a few months, half a year staying in India, like, that could have been really great. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know, I just feel like that's, to me, it's just another example of like a story beat that just didn't feel like it got fleshed out the way it could have. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm sad because of what the game could have been.
0: Yeah, which it was, yeah, it was like so close and it's already there. I think this game does some beautiful things, but I think to drop some of like the narrative, just fireworks that they did Mm -hmm. during this battle. Mm -hmm. um, Oh my gosh, it just, yeah, it made me wish that either the game had intentionally focused on that, those themes a little bit more intentionally for longer And or maybe if the game was like just a hair longer to allow some of these ideas to breathe. Because I also feel like by the time we got to the end of the battle, it sort of resolved so quickly Mm -hmm. that I don't feel like any of the ideas that were introduced in this battle had any time to really breathe or settle in. And so, yeah, I guess that's now that I'm saying it out loud, I wish that some of these ideas weren't introduced here because the game's done. (laughs) I wish they were introduced sooner so that you can resolve them here.
1: Yes. Instead of just being like, here's your quippy one-liner back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Because it's so good.
1: (laughs) It is so good. And like, you know, you have that kind of full circle moment where at the end you get to summon your mom in to like finish the battle with Patti. And I thought that was so that was a really strong moment, like Mm -hmm. watching her kind of step into that power a bit, um, as the one who has, you know, left home, uh, in a way that like, I hardly ever Mm. see my family. Like I, I think that like, there's an important amount, there's an important storytelling element there that got just kind of a bit neglected, but that in that final moment, at least you get a, you get the resolution to be like, okay, and and ama's stepping up for this. I think yeah. that was really great.
0: Yeah, I think. And again, I, I appreciate the ending in a, the general sense of, you know, that Patti hasn't changed <laughs> yet. Sure. But she acknowledges that, hey, I might have to rethink some of the ways that I interact with you. And I think that, again, going back to what is a good apology, what what allows mm. people to heal, Ooh. which is, I think, what this whole game is about, is just generally healing. Um, it is a first step to healing that I think is nice, and I'm glad that they didn't say, "Ah, oh, all of a sudden, Patty is a wonderful, kind human being who understands all of this and is able to like move mm-hmm. on." Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate that we see the first step being taken, uh, and that's that's all that I needed personally from Patty.
1: Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of we wrap up this battle. You move into kind of an epilogue mm-hmm. scene. You get to see a, a photo from the wedding. You don't actually meet your brother-in-law, mm-hmm. um, but he's there. Is his face kind of blurred out or something? Am I remembering that correctly?
0: Yeah, I I don't remember. I don't.
1: I feel like there's like a lens flare on his face or something. Yeah,
0: like that. <laughs> I'm trying to visualize um, it and I can't remember his face. So there must have been.
1: So this is something that we talked about in the in the hangout <laughs> this last week that like there was, especially if you did not de-radicalize the teens, there is no payoff for the soundy storyline, the bear no. in the skate park storyline. And like what we're saying is like when you have a masked character, usually who's under the mask is important. So we talked about some fun theories like we like. I had read it as like maybe the brother-in-law is under the mask and there's going to be this big moment where you have to try and convince your sister that the the fiance right. is a cult leader who's trying to take over the city. There uh, another person said that they thought that maybe Aruni was under the mask, like that could have also been really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: it was just like this really strange subplot that just was so disconnected from the rest of the story. Um that again just like some missed story offer- storytelling opportunities there. So Yeah. You get that um, you go to the diner and you can like have a, a final conversation with a lot of the characters. You get to pet Mach on the dog again. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that was kind of a, my, my ending experience. What was yours? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mine was the same. Uh, I think depending on your heart level, like if you did the side quest with the characters that allows them to show up in the diner or not. I got mm. everyone because I did all of the side quests. Um, I chose because with each um, person that you talk to, each suitor that you talk to who's at the diner, you get the opportunity to either just kind of keep it friend friendly or flirt with them. I chose mm-hmm. to keep it friendly with all of them because I was like, I don't want to flirt. I don't want Jala's like... I don't want Jala to pursue anything romantic right now. There needs to be some work done before that. Uh, So I didn't get any like romance things. But it was interesting because after talking with you and some other community members, uh, what happens if you flirt with people?
1: I don't know what happens if you flirt with everyone. Mm -hmm. I only know what happens if you flirt with Tyler, which is... Uh, she says something on the lines of like we're taking things slow remember like we're not trying to do this and i'm not gonna entertain it essentially um which i thought was fine but again because of that conversation with aruni i thought i was supposed to be into tyler Mm. at the end so like there's like that moment of just like it it was kind of hard to play true to a character in this in some ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so that I, I did not unlock any of the other suitors because I did not do any of the other side quests. Um, We, we, we learned that I played this game in about half as much time as Jenny
0: did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're just a better player. I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I we, I explicitly just did not do the work that you did. That is that is 100% what happened. So um,
0: yeah. I do love that Bruno uh, does not actually come back to the diner, but Bruno does leave a little note for you, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and you do have a moment where, because your family members are sitting in the diner booth, like closest to the door, and you, you do hear uh, a conversation If you talk to them, where dad, you know, Appa is trying to like, I forget what he's trying to describe. It's something kind of very dad-like and not very exciting. And uh Ama and Patti are kind of like, Oh yeah, we're gonna try to. They're making an
1: effort. Yeah,
0: they're trying to be interested, you know, and you see, um, which we didn't touch on, but the fact that, you know, dad is from Sri Lanka. That was Mm -hmm. a big thing between Amma and Patti. And so you see the fact that Patti is making an effort to be nice and getting to know Appa a little bit. You know, you you see some of that work starting, which is, I thought, nice, nice little moment. Um, But yeah, the diner, I liked liked finishing, you know, putting a little bow on everything. um, And then that's, I think that's the end of the game. Is there anything else that we experience I think you, after that you, you, yeah they,
1: they are quenched
0: <laughs> the thirst has been quenched um yeah so just to wrap a bow on our time with thirsty suitors I'm curious about your final thoughts reflections just things that mm. you're going to take away from the game as a whole
1: I think this is one of the first games for the geese and grounds that I don't think I would come back to mm. I I enjoyed my time I thought it was worth playing I thought some of the story beats were really compelling. I thought the character design was incredible, like one of my favorites that we've ever had. Um, and I thought there were like the, the psycho drama battles where it was like a really interesting way to do it. Yeah. But there was just a little bit too much in this one for me that was that didn't deliver for me to want to come back to it. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my general thought on it. Um, but yeah, what, what how about you?
0: I'm, I'm similar. I often don't replay narrative games in general. So that's not too much of an extension for me. But I, I agree. I think overall, I think this is a really important game. I think it's a really strong game. But I think the narrative left enough Questions in a way that didn't feel satisfying, um, mm-hmm. and left a lot of holes open that I wish we could have filled in. Um, mm-hmm. But I still would recommend this game to folks, and I still would encourage people to play because I think what it did, especially in that last third uh, with Jala, Aruni, Ama, and Patti, I think is worth experiencing and playing. I think everything up to that point is good, you know, but that. That ending section is just so strong. I feel like we never, we rarely get conversations like that between Mm -hmm. like women characters in games, between generations with the cultural sort of significance. That's a great point. So I think even if it's just to experience that final section, I would recommend this game. But as a whole, I think this game throws sort of everything in the kitchen sink at players in a way that's generally pretty satisfying and is worth playing for sure
1: yeah i agree totally agree yeah uh well any housekeeping items for us
0: yes we have finished thirsty suitors which means we are going to be starting our next new game uh if you're listening to this on the day we post it we're going to start tomorrow yeah your birthday uh happy birthday from the past i guess <laughs> Thanks, uh, we post this podcast on Tuesday, on Wednesday, the newsletter is going to go out. So if you'd like to make sure you're on that, you see what we're playing next. You see the playthrough guide, uh, sign up at geeksandgrounds.com. Um, we've already announced the titles. So if you want to pick it up, it is Grease, Gris. That's how we agreed nice upon we saying learned. Gris. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. By Nomada Studios, and we're both very excited because this is a game that both of us have played. I think you are much more of a fan, like a little bit more sort of into I'm a the fan game. Boy,
1: in fact, yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, I loved the game, um, but I've only played it sort of the one time, and it was so long ago that I'm excited to be revisiting this with fresh eyes.
1: I think if I could give advice to our players, mm-hmm. it would be that. Um, You could play this entire game and not experience any narrative. Mm -hmm. You could like you would still get a vibe for like what's going on, but like not any explicit like text narrative. Um, But there are things you can find in this game that do provide some text narrative and give you kind of a broader picture of what's happening. If you are curious, I would advise finding a walkthrough guide to find essentially just type in like gris statues and you will find a way to find them Mm -hmm. um so i won't give any spoilers except for to say like you can find additional elements of the story um as you play
0: cool um and yeah we'll link additional resources like a helpful walkthrough for anyone who's interested as well as a lot of other materials that we think may help expand or deepen your understanding of the game in the newsletter so again if you sign up at geekandgrounds.com that'll get you what you need to get signed up uh that's it i think
1: Oh, and I guess we should say one of the reasons we chose this game is because it's very short. So if you're if you've been like hesitant <laughs> to play a longer game, yeah, <laughs> March is a good month to do it because we picked a, a shorter game for no real reason. There's not some other big release happening no. this week that yep. we're going to be getting our time in. No, okay, we're <laughs> thank you so much for joining us at Geeks and Grounds. Uh, if you find yourself ready to uh, platform through a watercolored landscape. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, get the jitters, and get those platforming fingers ready.
0: Oh Bye. 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 <laughs>